motherhood, and work. There isn't a right way or best way to juggle these, despite what you've heard or been told. No, really, there's not. Part-time work has been the best fit for me and my family, but it's tough to navigate any gray area of motherhood when you don't fit neatly in a box. My name is Tiana Fesh, and welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast, where we are going to build conversation and community around swinging motherhood and work in a way that works best for us and our families. No matter your path, it's an adventure with highs, lows, and in-betweens. Let's explore together. Welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so excited to be here with our guest today, Jessica Jansen Olstad. Jessica is a motivational speaker, published author, and a serialpreneur. She and her husband, Hot Ronnie, are the founders of the Love for Lewiston Foundation. After losing their son, Lewiston, she decided that she would stop wasting time and would get moving on her big dreams, speaking, writing, and inspiring others to do the same. Her clothing line, The Lewiston Label, highlights the life lessons Lewiston taught her. The foundation is impacting lives across Canada and supporting critical research and medical needs for families fighting spinal muscular atrophy. To date, in three and a half years, they have raised $1 million. She loves spending time with family, soaking up sunshine, being by water, and dreaming really big, always with the daily focus to run towards the roar. Thank you so much for joining me here today, Jessica. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I love this stuff. So I have a number of questions for you, but I wanted to start off asking you about your story and your motherhood and work journey. What this journey has been like for you since you became a mom, and I was hoping that you might share some of the life lessons that were inspired by your son, Lewiston. Uh, I mean, we, we have a, co- a clothing company called the Lewiston Label, and it truly is the life lessons that he has taught us, inspired us, that we now plaster on shirts. I think one of the most kind of valuable and important lessons uh, has been to run towards the roar. I mean, so much so, I mean, we're on Zoom here. You can see it. I permanently inked it on my forearm as a constant reminder. When Lewiston passed, I was gifted a book called Through the Eyes of a Lion, written by Levi Lesko, a pastor out of Montana. And in that book, he talks about the death of his daughter, unexpectedly passed away five days before Christmas to an asthma attack, super tragic. He shares this chapter, and in that chapter, it talks about the way that lions hunt. And lions hunt in, um, it's really brilliant. It makes so much sense. And he uses that analogy for life. And it's, um, you know, a lion will have the female lion do all the work. And so she chases the prey in towards the male lion. And the male lion will be waiting, and he uses his roar to scare the prey back into running back towards the female. And so, so often in life, we are like running towards the things, doing the stuff, forward momentum. But then as soon as it gets scary or hard or unknown, or we hear this big, you know, boom, roar, 
uh, we circle back and we retreat. And he says, I guarantee you that if you run towards the roar, that's where you would find your freedom. That's where you'll find the moments that will be on your highlight reel. And it's the truth. It's like uh, my girlfriend, uh, Danielle from Spiritometry here in Calgary, she talked about like, what were some of your greatest risks you've ever taken? And she posted these um, people's responses. And so many of them, like the riskiest thing I ever did was like quit my job and start my business. The riskiest thing I ever did was like step out and do said thing. And those are always the moments that are on a highlight reel. And so often we circle back, we get clobbered up because we're scared because it gets hard. It gets unknown. You hear this thing, it's not going the way you had planned. And they say like a roar can be heard up to five miles away. So it's like, you might be running towards roar and you might not even be running in towards the dangerous thing you just think you are. And so that's been so important for me, I think in finding freedom and starting to live this life that I've dreamed of living. Like I'm now living a life by design on purpose for a purpose, very strategically And that life lesson has totally set me apart because even if it's scary, I'm going to go do the hard thing. Even if it's scary and I'm putting myself out there, that that's what's so, so key. And so that for sure is the biggest lesson. We're actually rebranding it and putting it onto a new sweatshirt, you know, dream big, go anywhere. That has been a saying from a business mentor, even before Lewiston. And that has just transitioned into my life. And I put it on a postcard and um, I sent a copy of the book to my business mentor and he had, I, he said, I had no idea that that line has resonated and stuck with you so much, but all of these life lessons are on our apparel because um, they resonate with people. You know, the latest one has been using pain as rocket fuel, um, pain, you know, it's hard and you can either sit to choose, you can either choose to sit in it and wallow in it and have it suffocate you and keep you stuck. Or you can say, okay, this is super painful. It was really hard, but I'm going to learn from my experience. And now um, I'm going to use that pain as the rocket fuel because the days get hard. You hit the obstacles, you get tired, you get exhausted, but I'm using that pain. I'm using that issue, that circumstance to help me find like the, you know, silver lining to help me move forward, to get me to the next step. And that's been so true that when it's gotten really hard, I use the pain as rocket fuel and it's exactly where, what you need to get you to where you need to go. Those are incredibly impactful messages and learnings. And, you know, I've heard you talk about run towards the roar, but I didn't know the backstory to it. And that is just so true when we, when there are those scary things ahead, those unknown things, those things that we're fearful of, it's so easy to turn and go in the opposite direction rather to, than to move forward and to pursue them and to keep going. Well, imagine like if you just flip the script and you're like, oh, he, he says, I mean, this is what stuck with me. Like I remember underlining in the book, we were on our way to Maui on our like, congrats, your son just died trip. And I'm reading this book in the, I think it was Vancouver airport when I read this chapter. And he said, most people die at the age of 25 is like, what? I'm like, that's not the average number of people death. But this is next line is what rocked me. He says, but they aren't buried till they're 75 or 80. I was like, oh, I was like, okay. Like we're doing all this stuff. Like my daughter right now, like she believes anything's possible. She's, you know, five going on, you know, 55. She's like a little spitfire, but like she believes anything's possible. Like I'm going to ride an elephant. I'm going to go do the thing. And we all believe that. And you have these beautiful ideas. And then you start living life and you're like, okay, I'm going to get a mortgage. I'm going to get married. You know, I'm going to do all the things. And then you're like, oh, that's too hard. You know, oh, like that's a big expense. Oh, we can't do that. Oh, like I could never take my family on a crazy trip to Africa or whatever it is. And so then we just like limit ourselves. And then you just like, you kind of, I think, slowly die and wither away. And some people just exist in a body 
like just coasting through. And it's like, whoa, 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 like running towards the roar. Those are going to be on your highlight reel. He's like, I guarantee you the moments that scare you the most, the, the hardest things that you do, they'll, they'll be what's on your highlight reel. And I just don't want to like, you know, be buried at 75. I, I want to go out hard, like all I got. And then like slide into that, you know, six feet under or into the cremation, you know, tomb where I'm going to get buried, burned or whatever. Like, it's just like, go do the thing and keep living even when it's hard. Yeah. And I think it's so true, you know, looking at my own kids as well, like they have this sense of wonder and of awe and that anything's possible. And you're right. You kind of go through life and, you question things more and there's more uncertainty and it's, I would love to be able to really recapture and remember like that sense of wonder that our kids have. It's just incredible. The, all the things that they're going to be, they're going to do in life and they're going to accomplish and they're going to see, and they're going to have like sky's the limit, right? It's so beautiful. I, I mean, I struggle to hang out with people that don't believe it's possible. Like if you're not in that realm of like anything's possible, I'm like, I don't want to hang out with you. I don't, I don't have time for that negative energy because I'm like, your brain will offer you the solution. Like when the beliefs in place then you start to get super creative. And so that's where I'm just like, okay, dream big, go anywhere, do anything. And when you believe it's possible, your brain starts to just offer you like, okay, let's try this thing. Okay, you could do that thing. Oh, look at this connection. Oh, I know somebody who knows somebody who's going to connect. Like, it's just insane. And we get older, hormones go wacky, health goes wacky, all the things. And so it gets hard. And so I just think we lose that sense of wonder and that like fire in us to keep going. Well, and it's interesting, actually, uh, a couple of years ago, we took our family to Germany. And I think it was such a great experience for our children because we didn't exactly know where we were going and we didn't know exactly what we were doing. And it was all part of the adventure. So they got to see my husband and I being, you know, a little bit uncomfortable, but embracing the adventure and the experience. And we ran for to catch trains so that we wouldn't you know, we'd be able to get to where we needed to be. We would like wander aimlessly through cities. Thankfully, my husband knows a bit of German, but it was truly an adventure. And it was great to see, I think for our kids to see that we are, we are still learning and we don't know all the things. And sometimes it's going to be a little messy and crazy, but at the end of the day, it was such a memorable, wonderful experience for us to have together. Totally. Like they saw problem solving at its finest, yes, problem solving individually and as a team, as a married couple where you're like, I'm going to rip your balls off. And you know what I mean? And then you're like, we're lost. I, we did the same as a family. And to this day, I still remember our family going down the, the, uh, going down the wrong way, down a one way on the opposite side of the street, on the opposite side of the car. Like it was all twisted around in South Africa. And we were all like, we're going to die. <laughs> but that's like such a beautiful memory because you're like figuring it out. And you, then you do it as a team or as a couple or as a family. And that's what sticks in your head. Absolutely. They talk about so many of those moments all the time, which I absolutely love. Now, I wanted to circle back because um, we started with the, the life lessons from Lewiston, which I love. Um, but I would love for you to share your journey, your story, and, and what motherhood and work has looked like for you. Okay. So I'll share the Lewiston story and then I'll move on to like motherhood and, and, um, kind of work life. Cause it's ever changing and evolving. My husband and I, um, and if you want the full details and you know, if you're listening to this, I wrote a book so you can get all the juicy and the fun, crazy stories, but the high level version, you know, 
is I meet my husband, you know, we on and off again dating. I hate him. He doesn't like me. You know, before we start dating, we're friends. And then we fall in love. And when we uh, were together, I had all these stomach issues and was like, hey, you'll probably never get pregnant or it'll be a really big struggle. And we looked at each other and we got pregnant. So we were planning on like ramping up like this two to three year timeline of like maybe IVF, like let's start trying now. We'll start doing some tests. And I got pregnant with my daughter. And then very quickly after I have my daughter, she's four months old, I get pregnant with Lewiston, our son. And my second, you know, healthy pregnancy, teach fitness, fitness up until 34, 35 weeks, you know, walk into the hospital at 6.55. I have my son two hours later at 8.55, natural birth, no painkillers. I leave literally like 12 hours, 10 hours later, and I'm watching playoff hockey and eating like pizza with our family. Like my brother-in-law is over, like you're just like okay. And, and so very like, you know, textbook, um, and probably the exception, it was like almost better than textbook where it was just like, bing, bang, boom at two and a half months old. Uh, he goes limp. We're on vacation in Winnipeg. We go into the hospital there and run a bunch of tests. My husband was in Calgary. He comes back to Winnipeg. We spend six days. We get no answers. Um, we come back to Calgary. We redo all the testing, see our family doctor, do all the things. And on August 5th, uh, 2016, when Lewiston was two and a half months old, we get a diagnosis of spinomuscular atrophy, which is a neurological disease. Um, it's a rare genetic disease. So um, my husband and I are both carriers. We we had no idea. We pass on this zero copy to our son and he doesn't, he's not able to reproduce proteins that tell your nerves to talk to your muscles. And so you basically deteriorate, you decline really quickly. And in 2016, there was no uh, treatments and no cures. There was clinical trials, but nothing like there is now, which is just crazy. In just four years, the landscape of the disease has changed. We fought so incredibly hard. There's some, I mean, incredible stories in, in my book, Bring the Joy, about the roller coaster and, you know, how incredible our experience was in the hospital and this platform that we started about bringing joy. Um, on our diagnosis day, <clears throat> I crumbled to the floor in the hospital room. But we also, as we rose up, as we, you know, got strength to get to our knees and then our knees to our feet and, you know, our feet to be able to walk, um, we said, no matter what this looks like, we're going to bring the joy. And that's just like what we're going to do. I said, if I was Dylan, I would want it to be joyful. Like, you know, I don't want it depressing. I don't want it dark. I don't want it smelly. I don't want it to feel, you know, stale. And so we did everything from dance parties to like, you know, uh, diffusing in the hospital and just all of these beautiful things. And uh, the doctors were right. They, uh, Lewiston passed away six, um, three days shy of his six month birthday. And that kind of led to this platform of us saying, like, let's not have any more pity parties. Let's have a dance party. And we decided to celebrate his first birthday. And that for us looked like hosting friends and family and selling tickets and doing a little bit of an auction. And it was just this small, simple idea. And we ended up raising 42 grand in one night. And then that led us into um, starting the Love for Lewiston Foundation, um, which is now in three and a half uh, years, we've raised over a million dollars towards um, SMA research, helping families in need and giving back towards the Alberta Children's Hospital. And so uh, it flipped my life upside down. Um, it totally changed the trajectory of where I thought I was going to go and what life was going to look like to where I am now. In 2013-14, I was with a software company. 
I was working originally with my husband at Jugo Juice. We're at the head office, both in operations, him in construction. And anyways, the company had sold. It got publicly traded and it lost the family feel. I got headhunted and me and my husband were like driving to work together. Our offices were eight feet apart. And then we'd come home. And when I had this opportunity, I was like, this is probably good for the health of our marriage that we're not on top of each other. And we were both struggling with the change and transition of the company being sold and it not being what it once was. And so I go to the software company and it's good for the first little bit. And I was in a sales role, high pressure, you know, you're not selling, you know, uh, juices and and smoothies anymore. You're selling, you know, million dollars worth of, of software to massive companies. And I love, I love sales. I love the hunt. I love the chase. I love figuring it out, but it was never good enough for the team. And it was right when our economy was starting to go down, I got out just in time, but there was just so much pressure and the culture there was horrible. And three days, four days before my 30th birthday, I walked in, wrote up my resignation at 7.30, handed it to my boss, who was amazing, by the way. Um, but it was the, the head guy that just had it out for me. He kind of needed somebody to take, to be the hit person for, you know, things not going right. And I was the person. And so uh, I walked in there, gave my resignation, walked out. I had no plan. We were living paycheck to paycheck. And so I was like, oh, I've always wanted to like have my own business. Like maybe I'll start some consulting and God, I wish I knew what I know now back then. Um, and so I landed a client smaller and then I landed another big client and they took me on as an employee so I could have a mat leave. So here in Canada, you can get um, a year long mat leave, but you have to be paying into EI to do that. And so it was beautiful. I was able to work right up until um, I had Lewiston. And then obviously our worlds blew up and it was totally crazy. No, oh my gosh, I was, I was pregnant with Swayze. So then I had, sorry, I worked, I had Swayze and then obviously I never got another maternity leave. So yeah, things were crazy, super stressful. And I mean, now if you say where I'm at with motherhood and and work, um, it has been a gong show. So we have three kids. We have Swayze. Um, My daughter will be six in April. And we have Lewiston. He'll be turning five, but obviously up in heaven. He's my simplest child to take care of. Um, Requires the least amount of, of mothering for the most part, emotionally the toughest because probably the emotional roller coaster of grief because he's obviously passed. And then we have a healthy, uh, another son named Hollis and he'll be two in April as well. We like having spring babies. And so um, Hollis, uh, when he was 10 days old, I went back to work. I mean, we had some large financial commitments. We're both self-employed. There is no maternity leave. And so it's been a juggle for sure. And in the best way possible, I mean, today's a good day for me. You ask me on a day when I'm in the fetal position and on the floor being like, what the hell did I get myself into? But I've built my life by design. Um, We have this incredible nanny who literally is the wind beneath my wings. Like I just picture us like soaring into the sky. And the only reason why we can soar is because she's in our life. Um, She does our laundry. Uh, she bakes fresh muffins, she bakes cookies, she preps meals, she picks up stuff, does errands, she plays with the kids, the house is clean. Like, honestly, we, we would be a disaster if it wasn't for her. And I always knew I wanted a nanny um, because I can, I work from home and so I can go down and have lunch with the kids or the kids can come up and bring me a colored pitcher. And, and she just takes care of all the things in between, helps me with a little bit of business stuff if, you know, Hollis is napping. She just like literally is the keeper of our lives. 
And then my husband's super involved and it's been a roller coaster and it's always changing and evolving. Motherhood's the hardest freaking thing I've ever done. And I'm a better mom because we have a nanny and because I have set work hours and set, you know, now I'm present and with my kids and we're playing. And it's taken me a long time to get to this spot. You know, you go in all these emotional roller coasters, but we're in a really good spot and a great season. And so I'm going to celebrate that. That is so good. And I think that is so much a part of the journey, isn't it? It's sort of figuring out what it is you need and those people in your village that you need to ask for help and reach out to. Because I don't know about yourself, but I found in the beginning, I just was not very good at asking for help. And even if it was offered to me, for some reason, I was very reluctant and hesitant to say yes, for some reason. And I've definitely got better at that because I'm 100% a much better mom when there's a village involved. See, I learned the lesson really early on because when Lewiston got sick, I literally wrote a post on August 11th that said, we're going to need your help. And people have reached out and I'm going to tell you what we need. And it was like, hey, hands up, we're in the hospital and we need to like winterize the yard, you know, clean the gutters, da-da-da. A team of people showed up. And obviously asking for help when your kid's dying is a whole lot easier than being like, oh my gosh, I'm an overwhelmed mom. But here's the thing. Like if we stay in the cycle of being overwhelmed, you just show up worse and worse every time you show up. So it's like, what are you going to do to break the cycle? What are you going to do to change the narrative of the story? Okay, I'm exhausted. The house is a disaster. I can't function. We can't find anything. Like break the damn cycle. Hey, I need some childcare. Hey, honey, I'm dipping into the savings because I need, you know, someone to come clean the house, whatever it is. Or we need, my girlfriend started this business. It's called My Personal Concierge. And like, she'll do all the shit. Pardon me for, I don't know if you're concerned. It's all good. It's all good. She, she, if you need to edit this, (laughs) my girlfriend started this business called My Personal Concierge and think of a job. And she'll do it for you. So like literally I had this stack of files that had to be shredded. I had the, a, um, a garage full of all this stuff and organizing. Jen comes over and she's like, I've called the junk removal guys. I'm going to help them load it up. Boom. This is off to UPS store. I've shredded it all. These files are over here. I've run the two things that, you know, you sold on Kijiji, whatever it is. And so I've just gotten so good at either I'm asking for help or I'm outsourcing for help. And that game freaking changer for a mom. Because honestly, I'm like, whoever, like being a mom in 2020, 2021, in this century, you know, in this time frame, you're being pinged. You got Slack, you got Instagram, you got Facebook, you got emails, you got text messages, you know, you've got all these different platforms, you got phone calls, then you've got kids, then you've got households to run. And if you're a working mom, then you're also trying to keep a business afloat. And it's like, what? That's a lot. It is. It really is. And no, I've definitely got better with that as well. And I especially recognize there's certain seasons where if I'm not outsourcing in some way, shape or form, we all are not at our best. We're all falling apart. And it's for the the well-being of the whole family, 100%. And sometimes it can be little things like you know, um, getting a meal delivery service and having somebody come and clean your house like once every couple of weeks for a stretch, right? It, it doesn't necessarily need to be all the time, but there are those times like go like get the help because it just makes such a huge giant difference. Absolutely. Um, And so obviously that is a great strategy for moms to keep in mind, but are there any other strategies, tools, or tricks that really help you with your motherhood work juggle? 
I'm just developing, I'm revamping my website. Actually, it'll be launched when this comes out. I think if this comes out in February, um, there's a free resource and guide about owning your evening and your morning routine. So again, Levi Lesko, I'm a huge fangirl of him and his wife, Jenny. They do incredible work and have the best messages. But he did this podcast, I think it was almost four years ago now, and it's called From Dawn Till Dusk. But it's like your Monday to Friday, 9 to 5 is going to blow up because that is just life. Like it's guaranteed 50-50. Shit's going to hit the fan. You know, interruptions. Kids get sick. Home, Kids home, you know, can't go to school. You know, hockey pra- practice got moved, whatever it is. And what we can own is like from bedtime through till the front of the day. And so for me, I've like started like understanding when am I at my best? What does that look like? Well, it's when I have um, an hour or two to myself in the morning. I am just that much happier of a person. Um, I have a spin bike and some at-home gym equipment. You know, before I was going to a class or whatever, it's now too hard. My husband and I just made the commitment we're going to invest in having um, a place for us to work out. It's partly the kids' playroom, but I don't freaking care. I just wanted to move my body. But I also, I just want to have a hot cup of coffee that I'm not microwaving nine times. You know, you see all these memes. So for me, my, my one to two hours in the morning is precious. It's like don't, don't mess with a good thing. I, I have a fireplace and I, I flick on the switch and I have a hot cup of coffee and I, I write out my goals. I write out my gratitude. Um, I'll journal all the crazy thoughts swirling around that you can't get out because you're just like, ah, life is happening. You know, God, I feel like I suck as a, a, a mom today. I lost all my kids. Okay, give me patience. You know, what are the thoughts that I need to think? And for me to own the morning, you got to own the evening. And that means like I grind my beans the night before because our grinder is super loud. I prep, I do French press. So I, I prep my kettle. Um, I prep my mug out, my wooden spoon that I use. I clean up the kitchen because I like walking into a clean kitchen. I don't go to bed. Um, I make sure that my gym clothes are laid out. So I'm throwing those on or my comfy sweatsuit that I'm going to sit by the fireplaces so I don't disturb the whole house. And it's just these like little things. Um, I have a nighttime face ritual. I never used to care about washing my makeup off, but it's like, hot dang, I turned 37 this year. Ain't getting younger. And you know, one of the things I could comb for me is clear skin. So I'm going to take care of that. Um, and so there's just like these little things that we can put into our day. So as a mom, it's like, okay, outsourcing one thing, you know, meal service, nanny, you know, house cleaners, whatever it is. But this is like something that you get to own. It doesn't cost anything. It's just your time and being organized. And when I own my evening and I get to bed at a good time and I do like a wind down and I'm not watching or binge Netflix till freaking 2 a.m. because Lord knows I want to be Beth, D- um, Beth Dutton in um, Yellowstone with Kevin Costner. But when we're like, like zone in, do the things, show up, my morning goes better. And when I have that time in the morning, if shit hits the fan in the middle of the day because life happens, I've at least taken care of what I need to do so that I feel taken care of. And when I'm filled up, I can help fill up other people. That is fantastic. And I look forward to checking out your resource on your Mm -hmm. new website. So that's great. We'll have to share that because that is incredible. And you're so right. Just protecting and creating space for that time makes a huge, huge difference. I am 100% with you on that. And I wanted to ask you too, um, I love your message of bring the joy. I actually have Mm -hmm. a, um, well, I have a postcard of joy in the journey that I got from when I got your your book, which I've loved, uh, sitting right in front of me here. And it's such a powerful one. 
Because in motherhood, I find sometimes there's those times when things are really tough for a variety of reasons. And we feel like giving up or we don't Mm -hmm. feel like we can do it. We feel discouraged. We feel unmotivated. So what advice would you have for moms to encourage them to be resilient and to move forward and to find what I know you call their joy starters? Mm, That's good. A lot of medical moms follow me um, and and families that have lost children. That's just the the following that I track with the work that we do and and all that. But, um, you know, my kid right now, like I can't get him to sit at the table for the life of me and nor can I get him to eat. And then he will eat and then he just spits the food out. And I like want to lose my ever loving mind because it is every night. And I'm like, holy, I'm going to blow my brains out because I'm like, I just can't get this kid to eat. And then of course, if we have dessert or Swayze's in her dinner and she's having ice cream or whatever, he wants it. And then he starts screaming because I won't give it to him. And you're just like, I just want to enjoy a family dinner where everyone just sets at the table and loves each other. You know, like you have this dream scenario where it's like candlelit and you've got the Spotify music playlist and it's like dinner at our house is like a freaking gong show. And I'm so thankful we're all at the table, but half the time Hollis is, is either poking or making a, a hole in the wall or he spilled his entire dinner. For sure, we, we spill one beverage a night at our house. Like I'm, We just keep the paper towel on the table now. Actually, that's a good idea. Maddie, let's keep the paper towel on the table. Um, because like we're spilling stuff, it's just chaotic and it's hard. And I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying to be a good mom and prep the meal and do the thing. You know, we're doing the meal prep and we're eating lasagna for four days in a row. Cause it's easy, like whatever. But here is the thing, the season that you're in, the thing that you are struggling with, that's probably someone's biggest blessing. And so that for me, that's a check-in. Like my kid getting up from the table, throwing shit, making holes in my wall, um, spilling rice and juice for the ninth time, but I've already picked up and he's screaming because I just want to put a lid on the cup, but he doesn't want the lid because no one else has lids. I mean, there is a parent sitting in a hospital room begging for the moment that you have, that you're in right now. And so for me, it's like as soon as I flip the perspective on, on the situation, on my problem, it's just this perspective switch. And I mean, I just sat there and you just kind of like, now I let it roll. And I'm like, this kid isn't going to stay too forever. Um, My kid, he's two. He has like no words. All he does is, ma, that's it. Like, I mean, he doesn't even say dad at this point. Like, and he just knows how to sign for please. And he just rubs his belly. That is it. We have no other form of communication. And that was some head nodding. And I'm like, oh, I just wish you could talk. I just wish. And I'm like, this is a blessing because I know what it's like to sit in that hospital. And I just remember being like, God, I just wish I could clean my own kitchen, not eat out of a to-go container and like do my own dishes. Like I just long for that. And so that, I mean, I get frustrated. I want to throw in the towel. My daughter sasses me more than I care to admit. You know what, mom? I'm going to tell you what our options are, okay? Like, this is, like, what I'm dealing with. And I'm like, okay, I failed as a parent. How, how do I suck? Like, I want to teach these kind, generous, thoughtful kids. And my kid's like a punk. Um, but it doesn't mean I'm a failure. This is just the season that we're in. And so when you can shift the perspective, and for me, the way I shift my perspective is I picture myself sitting back in the hospital room or I picture a mama who's watching her baby seizure for the 17th time today and there's nothing that she can do except watch him and just try to make sure that he he gets through it safely. Um, then it's kind of like almost like this is laughable, the rice on the floor and the spilt, you know, orange juice and all of that. 
And it's, it's easy to talk about it now. It's harder to do it in the moment when you're frustrated and you've had a long day and there's bills piling up and all the things. But that's why that morning routine piece is so key because it just helps level set me for the day. And so um, this is what's worked for me. There might be another solution or scenario for somebody else, but it's been really powerful. You know, I, I traveled a lot for business. I was on a lot of planes with a lot of screaming kids. And every time they scream, I just want to be like, whoo, 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 like just cheering on because I was like, that kid's got healthy lungs. You don't got any respiratory issues. I'm like, we're good. And, and that's um, that. like I just like when people get mad or you start hearing them huff, I just want to punch them in the face and be like, you know what? That kid's got healthy lungs. Like you just chill out. Um, and so that perspective is, is everything for me. Yeah. Perspective really is so key. And, and you're right in, in that moment, it can just be all consuming, Mm -hmm. but, but when you're creating that space and that time for yourself to take that pause and take that breath and really look after yourself, I think you're, you're more easily able to have that perspective and, and kind of roll with that situation, the mess and the chaos and the, and the screaming and, and all the things we have beatboxing at our house at dinner time. I, oh, yeah, fun. we're not, not a huge fan of the beatboxing, but it's very special, very special. Right? But you'll like, remember this. You're like, wow, yeah. this isn't how I pictured it. No. Like, I think we have these like idealistic like ideas and then it's like, it's not happening. It means I'm a failure. Like we're not all sitting or whatever it is. And it's like, chill out. This is like just a part of the journey. All a part of the journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know with all that you do, you uh, continue to dream big. So with the Love for Lewiston Foundation and just everything. So what has really helped you to dream big and to make your dreams happen? So to start there, but also, um, I'd also like to hear about what you're dreaming about working on now and maybe kind of down the road and in the future. Okay, so Dreaming Big, also that will be on a sweatshirt coming out probably beginning of February because, um, oh man, it just, it gets my goat when people just are like, what? You want to do that? That's not possible. Um, It's like one of the things that irritates me the most and that's almost like fuel. I'm like, watch me, watch me go do the thing. I think I've had this like, I mean, first off, I'm really curious. I'm a really curious person. I ask a lot of questions. If I was to have a podcast, I was saying I would call it funeral thoughts because I'm just so curious about how people's lives work and like the decisions they made and how they got from A to B or what they did. I mean, um, we got to house sit this beautiful home in Mount Royal and the homes are like two, three, four, five, six million dollar homes. And I always be like, I wonder what that guy does. Like, what's his morning routine like? You know, how does he show up? What's his nighttime routine like? Um, and so this curiosity piece of me um, is, is a big thing, but I truly believe that I've had these incredible inspirational mentors that have poured into my life. And because they've believed in me, it's helped me give the belief in myself. And we live in a world where like legit, you want to be a famous YouTube star at nine, go for it. I mean, there's nine-year-olds out there making more money than I am um, just by... <clears throat> playing freaking video games like if a kid who's nine can make a seven figure income like what is stopping you from go doing said thing Uh, and I think anything is possible because we have all these tools and technology which is really cool 
And um, I just have this life that I dream of that I want to be able to gift to others. And because I have this crazy high mortality awareness where, I mean, like this could be all done for me tomorrow. And like, I want to show up as best I could. I wanted to have lived on purpose. I I want to have not wasted the breath in my lungs and, and the beat in my heart because they're there for a reason. So if you've got those two things, anything's possible. Um, and, and so for me, I just love the possibility and almost like my life is a canvas and I get to be the one to paint it. And like, you know, chapters get, you know, roadblocks get thrown your way and the chapter doesn't go the way you want. And I'm just like, okay, that's just more part of the story. I'm working on this course. You say like, what are you working on and what are you dreaming on? Obviously, number one for Love for Lewiston, it's to raise a whole bunch more money. Um, I've talked about building a wing at the Alberta Children's Hospital. That one makes me want to almost like keel over because it's like, that's like a bajillion dollar dream, probably like a one, you know, half a billion dollar spend or whatever it is. I'm like, okay, like easy does it there, dance and slow down. Um, but we have obviously dreams for love for Lewis. And I mean, I would love that every family that is battling the disease, um, could just not have to worry about finances ever again. They'd not have to worry about the next medical uh, bill come their way. Um, obviously wanting to find a cure and help fund research to get that to where it needs to go. Um, million dollar was our, our biggest, you know, financial goal. Um, I think partly it was a pride thing and partly it was like, that's a big number. And I don't know what a million dollars looks like. Um, and so that was incredible to achieve. But to go back to like kind of what I'm working on personally, and obviously it fuels into the foundation, into our the Lewiston label, our, our clothing and apparel line, is um, I'm working on this course about getting unstuck after loss and grief. And it should be launched by this time. Uh, all things, you know, go according to plan, which doesn't always happen, as we know. But I mean, I've been stuck so many times in my own life and I'm like, dang, like, whoa, I'm stuck again. I got stuck in October this year. I mean, where I went into the darkest um, cocoon ever. I didn't want to get out of bed. Um, I had no motivation. I didn't want to work out. I didn't want to, you know, talk to people. I was bawling all the time. Um, mentally, I, I literally thought I was going to have to check into a psych ward. And I don't say that very lightly. Like I literally was like, I can't control my thoughts. I'm, I, I'm, I was just spiraling. It was really scary for me, really dark. I've had suicidal thoughts. Those were creeping up for me. My mental health was just an utter mess. And, you know, thankfully I know the tools and the steps that I got to do to, to get out of them. And that's what I want to share with people is because I've, I'm able to get out of it quicker. I'm able to be like, okay, here we are. Okay, let's go do the things. And in some days you don't feel like doing it. I mean, my husband was like, babe, just go for a walk. Just you, just get some fresh air. And I like snapped it in my was like, I don't want to go for a walk. You know, and it's like, you don't even have the energy to put on your running shoes, let alone get out the door. So it's like, I've been there. And this course is about like, what are the tools? What are um, the things that you need? How can you implement it right now to get unstuck and to start living this life that you dream of, to start dreaming really big. And then not only dreaming big, but putting an actionable plan into place. Before your call, I literally, I literally was breaking down um, you know, our, our revenue goal for our small business and what that looked not only um, for the year, but then what it looked like monthly, then what it looked like weekly, then what it looked like daily. What were the things that we had to cut out? What were the things that we had to implement? You know, what were the strategies we're going to go to after that, to go after it? And so often I've dreamt really big, 
but then I haven't put the plan into place. So you write the goal out. Maybe you even have the goals living on there, but you don't actually have actionable steps of like what you're doing to get there. Because I'd rather set this insane goal of a million dollars and be like, we're going to do all these things. And then let's say we hit 900,000. I'd rather get to 900,000 than just be the one who sat there, cleaned the goal and didn't take action on it. And so like you maybe dream for the million, but you hit 900,000. Like there's nothing wrong with 900K. And so it's just like slowly breaking it down and um, sitting still long enough. This is where I'm horrible at it because I just like to do and go and be and shake and move um, to sit still and to put the plan on paper and then to make tangible um, steps. And then those steps have to actually live in your calendar. Like for my course, it's like, three hours blocked here. I know I need to be held accountable. Some me and my VA are meeting here for two hours on Google meets. And so you're just getting strategic and doing those things behind you. And that's where I've started to see the success. It took me almost seven years to write my book, seven years. I talked about this goal. And I mean, I was like, it's going to be a New York times bestseller. It's not, it's, I mean, they don't, New York times bestseller has no idea who I am. So I was like, okay, now we got a plan in place. Okay, they want to see 10,000 copies sold. They want to see 200 Amazon reviews. They want me to have 100,000 followers. So now I know all the steps that I got to start doing to get to the New York Times bestseller. It doesn't just happen by chance. It happens with a plan and you can have the best plan in place. But if you don't execute on that plan, that's where it goes, goes south. Well, and I love how you, you talk about kind of finding that stillness or that quiet to really think about your goal and the steps that you're going to need to take in order to get there. Because you're right, it can be so easy to have that idea, but you never take the action because you're not taking the time to make the plan. And that is so, so important. So I, I really appreciate how you're, you're breaking that down and I'm excited for your course. That'll be wonderful. I'm, I'm pumped. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, how did I not like, why haven't I told people this five years ago? But I know that like every moment, like me getting stuck in October was almost like the final nail in the coffin of like, you have to do this because you know how hard it is to get unstuck. And if I can get unstuck, you can get unstuck. Well, and I'm also excited for your book to be a New York Times bestseller. Thanks, girl. Because it's going to happen. And yep. now you're super clear on the steps that you need to take to get there. And it's going to happen. So, oh, well, and I just share this with you. I posted on social media, so it'll be a little bit old. But um, I just went on live, no makeup. I asked my husband to sit in, with it, uh, in on this live with me. And he was like, why do you want me? But then he's like, oh, right. I said no to you like eight times. And then we finally were together. But like hearing no and it not happening on time one is part of the freaking process. Um, we got off a call with the agency that's representing me for my next book and we're trying to get a publisher because um, the cost to publish the way I want to publish is super expensive and they put marketing dollars and get it into all the, the stores and and so, so exciting. And I get on the phone with Allison. She's like, okay. I'm like, okay. So we don't got a book deal. I was like, hit me, Allison. What is it? Two of the biggest um, publishing houses in North America were both like, no, we're going to pass. And like that for me, I, I was in such a good mindset space. I was like, okay, two no's down. I'm like, how many more no's till we need to, we get our yes. I was like, is it another 10? Is it another 13? I'm like, I'll just keep showing up. Is it going to be 26? I don't know, but we're two down. However many to more to go. So we're just going to keep showing up, stay consistent and show these people that I'm not backing down just because I heard no in the first two times. 
Yeah, I think, and it's so easy to get discouraged by those no's and Mm -hmm. to let those be the reason that you stop moving forward, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There is a fantastic podcast. You may have listened to it on, it's a CBC podcast. We regret to inform you. Oh, I haven't, but this sounds amazing. Okay. It's all about incredible people who have found success, but all the failures and no's and things that they experienced all the way. I love it. I'm like writing it down because it sounds amazing. Yes, you will definitely enjoy it. And it was recommended to me by a by a friend and it was exactly the thing that the exactly the kind of thing that when you're kind of having that down moment and you're thinking this just isn't going to happen, I'm not going to be able to make this happen for myself. You listen and you just see the res- the resilience and the perseverance that these people have demonstrated in having and finding great success. Like it's not an overnight success, right? It's it, there's all that, Mm -hmm. that work and effort that goes in behind it for sure. Now, I mean, you've been incredibly real throughout our conversation, but that's a big thing with the part-time jungle because one of the things I find is, especially as moms, we kind of look out there and we look on social media and it just like looks like everybody else has it way more together than we do. And- mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I'm I hear you. If you have, I call it a mommy mess up, but just something that you'd will be willing to share with us. So a mistake, something that you wished you had done differently or just a learning opportunity or experience that you've had as a mom. I'm still learning this and I'm still needing to improve on it. Um, But putting my phone away and when I'm with my kids, just being present. It's hard for me because I love work. I love, I love what I do. Like I don't, it's not um, a drag for me. It like fires me up. It inspires me. It gets me going. But when I'm with my kids, especially with my daughter, she's like really takes notice to it now. And I can just see her behavior change when I'm so present and so with her. And that's my constant battle and and juggle. And what I know to be true is that like my to-do list, my emails, the DMs, the messages, they're always going to be there. It's never going to be done. And most likely it will never be enough, like because I think it will never be enough. And I think just changing my mindset on that saying, I showed up for my eight hours, my nine hours, my seven hours, my five hours, whatever it is. I've done enough for today. And like they are the most important people in my world. So, you know, someone across the world or someone I don't even know, like they don't get to take priority over my daughter, over over my family, over my husband time. Because I've learned that I haven't showed up as my best self in this pursuit of all the things. I think people see all these things like, oh, you raised a million dollars. Oh, you wrote a book. Oh, you're doing all the things. Oh, you got to be on, you know, Jillian Harris's channel, whatever it is. And they sometimes forget the sacrifice and the lessons that I've had to learn the hard way which is like being disconnected from my husband or having a child that has, you know, behavioral issues and rebelling because all she wants is my time. You know, I mean, this is, this is the journey. I'm writing our own story and there's going to be mess ups. And so giving myself a whole ton of grace is massive. And then just continuing to say, okay, I messed up and I get to have another go around tomorrow. Well, that in itself is an incredible piece and um, words, words of wisdom, because I think so many of us struggle with that, right? We're, we're trying to, I don't like the word balance, but we're trying to pursue things yet be present and, and just do all the things. And it can be a lot. And I love how you said, just being really intentional about being present with our families. And it's okay to 
let those other things go and to kind of figure out those priorities. And then sometimes there's things that are going to take us away from our family and, and, and that's okay too. Right. So just being really, I think, conscious and thoughtful about it. So I think that's such a, a powerful message. One of the things that I've learned is, is, um, you know, balance I think is BS, but I think finding the rhythm for the season of your life, like that's a real, a realistic thing. Cause like there just isn't balance. There's just seasons where one is going to need more than the other, where, you know, maybe you have a sick child or your, your husband's going through something at work or whatever it is. So there's these seasons that we have to be in. And when you try to be like this, it's just impossible. I'm like, sit on a teeter totter for more than five minutes as if you're not going to go a little off balance and, and lose kind of that center of gravity. It's bound to happen. So it's like, be okay that the seasons are going to ebb and flow. It's going to be up and down. Absolutely. I like that rhythm. That's a Mm -hmm. really, a really nice analogy. And before we wrap things up, Jessica, do you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom for moms who are listening, who are looking for some inspiration or support with their own mom work juggles? I go back to dream big, go anywhere, do anything. I mean, like, don't look to me for mom of the year. I can give you about 20 other accounts that are like slaying it as moms, you know, like friggin' eating the organic fruit and, you know, shopping at the farmer's market every week and prepping the meals and not taking a frozen pizza out. Um, But here's what I know to be true. We get to carve out what our life likes, looks like. We get to be the ones that define our journey. And uh, you got to believe that anything's possible and then go after it. And I'm so excited to be carving out a really beautiful future for our family um, where they see that they can go after anything and and make it happen um, with the the failures, with the triumphs, with the hard moments, with all the no's. And so you just got to keep showing up, do the hard work and stay consistent. And the journey's going to be up and down, but like it's one hell of a ride. Absolutely. And Jessica, I just want to thank you so much for sharing your time and words of wisdom with us today. If our listeners want to learn more about you and the amazing work that you do, including your next book, your new course, your new website and all the things, where are the best places to find you? Mm-hmm. Uh, the two main places that you can find me are on our website. It's jessicajansen.ca. Um, Jansen is J-A-N-Z-E-N. And hang out with me on Instagram. That's like my main platform of choice. I can't do it all. Can't be on them. There's no TikTok. There's, I mean, I'm on Twitter, but I don't actually use it. Like there's a bajillion places to be. I can't be on them all. Maybe as the team grows, um, that will grow. But for now, Instagram, slide into my DMs or um, you know, comment, like, share, tag on a post, and then feel free to email. All of the contact info is on our website, and I speak. So if you're ever looking for a speaker, that's another way to get in touch with me. And then there's some really good resources, and we're continuing to come out with them because it's the same questions that I get from my audience all the time that we're saying, okay, we can make this make sense for you, and here, here's that. And I know just the simple thing of owning my evening and my morning, I'm that much better of a person when I do it. And to be honest, it does not happen all the time. Sometimes I'm like, dang, I just need to sleep in or I need to sleep in past seven or I'm going to skip my workout today because my body is just too tired. Um, But it's been an incredible resource and it's, I think, catapulted me to be where I need to be today. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Jessica. I really appreciate you taking the time to hang out with me and it was so nice to connect with you. Yeah, thanks for having me and all the best ladies. Go get it. This is your year. This is your day. This is your month. Like just keep showing up. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Fesh. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Part-Time Jungle and on my website, www.theparttimejungle.com. I would love if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time where we will continue to explore the motherhood jungle together.